we can replace anything in plastic with fibre within six weeks. So these excuses of uh, the plastic problem, well, plastic isn't the problem, we are the problem. We've done 1.2 billion products in 35 countries last year. As I said, you'll use my product every day and I mean, we need to we need to quadruple that even to get close to challenging any, any part of the problem. The fibre bottle that we have that's given us a lot of attention with only people in the world that can do it with the patent. We build the machines for everything we do as well, which gives us a lot of strength. I've had so many big offers to take that off the table so they can control it. Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. And on this episode, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only David McDonald. David is the creator of the Fibre Bottle. He's the owner of Cullen Eco Products and the EY Entrepreneur of the Year for 2022. Uh, 2022? 2022, yeah. 2022. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Nice to be here. Amazing. So I want to dive right into it. At what moment in your life did you decide that you were going to dedicate yourself to fighting the battle against plastics? I don't think it was a conscious decision to take on that battle. I think that, honestly, it was a was a natural progression. It was moving into an area where I could adapt what we were already doing. And with the focus on sustainability and the demand and the need and the good that we could do with our products, it kind of naturally fell into it. And, um, and yeah, and that's, that's where we are today. So it's been a natural progression. And I sometimes think innovation... People can always think it's brand new things. Um, what I like to look at it is what can we use that's that's tested and proven to to make good today. Maybe something that's been lost a wee bit in the past. What can I take and revamp and service you with with what you need in today's environment? So I think natural progression, not not one. This is what I'm going to do. Mm, really interesting. And was there always like a a desire to have purpose for something you're building? Because I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs who start with, well, I want to make money, I want to build something, and then you know try to find that purpose later. What, what's your journey with purpose been like around this? Um, I'll be honest, it's, it's more a, I'm a very humble person, very hardworking person. Um, I don't get led away too easily. Um, I'm not lavish or any of these things. So I think for me, building a business and employing people in quite a... Um, rough part of Glasgow, giving people opportunity and maximising the business's opportunity to grow. I think that's been the main focus. It's not been we are going to be a sustainable company. And you are seeing that a lot in new startups, which is fantastic. Um, and I admire them for doing it and, and having that passion. But I think it's a very different thing to be able to supply billions of pieces of products in 35 countries to large conglomerates very hard to get to that level when you just focus on the purpose you need to be able to back that up with manufacturing and servicing and quality and so I think it's been a gradual build um, but the purpose is definitely there because I've had many opportunities to exit and um, mm. be on a beach somewhere but um, but I'm still here and I'm more more passionate now than I ever have been. Amazing amazing that's, that's actually a really really interesting one because I guess sometimes well, all the time in business, actually, you need to be able to control your emotions. And maybe sometimes when you're coming at something from a pure purpose perspective, without that, yeah. you know, level headedness and being like, well, actually, this is the right thing to do to grow and to scale. Yeah. Actually, that might have been a, a huge benefit. Maybe that helps being Glaswegian, you know, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, being able to being quite calm and collected. Um, but yeah, that's definitely helped. Def definitely helped of, uh, and and I think that helped with the earliest stage of my life, um, leaving school early or being forced to leave school early, um, working in the building trades and not really having anything handed to me or given to me to go and succeed. So I think from a young age it's been 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 very realistic, very humble, and just getting stuck in and, and making it happen. Amazing. I spoke to someone earlier today who is now a resilience coach, right? Okay. Take that for what it is. But he said to me that the key trait for the most resilient people okay. is optimism. What do you think about that? Hmm, good question. Um, yes, I would agree to that to some extent. I think, I think just never get too high, never get too low. When you get your wins, enjoy them. But remember, the bad days will come, and that's okay. You know, 
everyone has bad days and I think to know that you're going to have them is the best way to keep going forwards, you know, understanding that you are going to have down times, things are going to be hard, you are going to be stressed, you're going to have sleepless nights, but that's part of the game, right? That's, that's you need to not enjoy those moments, but understand that's, that's the price you pay for success. Mm, amazing. It's incredible advice. And you touched on leaving school early. Yeah. Um, at what and the opportunities to exit and everything else. I'm sure there were times when you're, you know, 15, 16 years old, the idea of probably getting the exit that you've already had on the table would have yeah. been beyond beyond some incredible dreams, right? Yeah, yeah. What What's, you know, allowed you to keep going in that way? Um, I think if anyone that knew me back then in school to see where I am now would probably think I was crazy and they would want to lock you up, you know. Um, but... Um, What's what keeps me going now? I, keep, I think it's just, I think it's, it's it's just the good we can do in the world with the products we have. It's that passion to keep going. I think that's what keeps incentivizing me to to keep growing the business, creating new products. We can replace anything in plastic with fiber within six weeks. So mm -hmm. these excuses of uh, the plastic problem, well, plastic isn't the problem. We are the problem. So we've got to find new alternatives to replace plastic in this modern world that we live in. Um, so yeah, so I think the focus on new products uh, and, and helping the world is what keeps giving me the drive to push on. Wow, amazing. And it's incredible to hear how quickly you know people can make that significant level of change. Yeah, yeah. But that then brings up the big question, <laughs> do they want to change? Mm. And... I think that's that's the that's the root of the problem. Do the companies want to change? I think part of them does, part of them doesn't. Um, you know, is it is it your personal beliefs against your corporate? You know that you, that you have to get the dividends back to the shareholders. Um, but and I think for people as well, it's great to go. Okay, I need to do this, but life doesn't work that way. You don't. Mm. We all know what we need to do, but we still have the pizza, we still have the drinks or whatever it may be. So I think I think it's a, it's a balance to mm. find the, the right way. And I imagine when working with organisations of the size that you work with, yep. it's not a single individual making that decision, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So a lot of people to, to navigate, and I guess it takes a while to build that reputation within an organisation before they're able to commit to that level of change. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were 98% of the NHS mm -hmm. products, you use our... Pro I'd be amazed if someone didn't use our products on a daily basis. Um, cup carriers, two and four cup carriers, and majority of fast food chains within Europe uh, were in every supermarket. So you get avocados, plums, nectarines, any supermarket in the UK, high street, you'll buy from us. Um, so, yeah, dealing with the individuals that are involved with that process, especially if they're new products... So if you're going to replace a, a laptop uh, mm -hmm. from plastic into fibre, which are 100% plastic free and sustainable, um, yeah, you, there's a lot of red tape to go through. So you get used to that and you just keep keep moving forward. I can imagine. and Well, I can only imagine. And um, <laughs> have you seen those conversations evolve over the last couple of years as people are becoming more conscientious around the, the climate emergency? How do you see things changing? <clears throat> Um, how long we got? <laughs> <laughs> Might need that eight hours. Um, the how do I see that changing? Uh, I think honestly, because it's time to be honest and it's time to not um, just say what people want to hear. I think it's extremely flawed. I think that um, I think that we are fed what they want us to know, and we try our best to do that. And when it all comes crumbling down. We just wipe it off and start again with something new. That's the truth. Um, I think the big corporations do see sustainability as one of the top three, mm -hmm. price, service, and sustainability. Mm -hmm. We had a good example recently with one of the largest supermarkets in their flagship store here in London. And they had um, 38 bits of plastic they wanted to replace. And it all sounds great, um, but then it falls away um, because they know that even though slight increases, 7%, 10%, 12% on packaging, which we're talking pennies, we're not mm. talking a lot of money here. Um, when you add that to the volume they're doing, that heavily impacts shareholders and profits, right? So they they don't tend to go down that route. But they love to have an option. Mm. 
and, uh, and obviously I can't name names, but the, the fibre bottle that we have that's given us a lot of attention with only people in the world that can do it with the patent, we build the machines for everything we do as well, which gives us a lot of strength. I've had so many big offers to take that off the table so they can control it. Wow. Yeah. They wow. don't want to change. They don't want to use it, but they'll pay me a phenomenal upfront amount of money so that they can have control over that. So that's wow. the world we live in. Crazy, crazy. I yeah. mean, um, sure that would shock you. Guys. Well, well, this is the thing, right? I was going to say it's crazy, but yeah. it's uh, you know, it's it's disappointing, it's, but not surprising, right? Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of the the story. I can't remember the guy in the 1950s in the US who had the water powered car, right? And okay. same oh, thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it got yeah, bought yeah. out. They did nothing with it, right? Because it wasn't in in the interest of oil. So yeah. one of the things which I find uh, amazing about you, and also so in keeping with most the Scottish people that I speak to, okay. is the desire to not chat shit and just be real about the things going on yeah but one of the things that um is so impressive about you is you're speaking truth to power in this way but you're still getting recognition and they're still working with you um despite that where actually maybe some of the things you're saying is calling them out in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable how how do you see that's happened i think that so i own the business 100 percent. i've got no other shareholders We've done 1.2 billion products in 35 countries last year. As I said, you'll use my products every day. And, I mean, we need to we need to quadruple that even to get close to challenging any any part of the problem. So, really, for me, I'm not here to really impress anybody. I'm not here to sell myself. Um, I'm just here to really have a voice for an area that's very unknown. And I think people are getting sick of trying to do their best and not, having a clear direction on what we need to do. So many different things. Is it sustainable? Is it compostable? Is it biodegradable? Is it green? Is it... It's noise. It's all noise. Um, And I think that... I think we've got to just keep doing the best we can do. And I think having that voice to help people understand what actually matters, Mm. I think that's really important in today's um, times. Mm. Uh, super interesting. Did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. And that 1.2 billion number is just, it's almost impossible to get your head around, right, in terms of that yeah. many products. Especially when you're trying to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, am I right in thinking, how old is, is the business? So the, the business, um, Robert Cullens and Sons, is 100 years old. Right. So weirdly enough, COP26 that was in Glasgow um, was our 100th year, wow. um, which was incredible. So it fitted in really well. Um, so it's just over a hundred years old. So it was originally a box making business. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to explain a wee bit yeah, how we, yeah, how we got into it? Journey, so yeah. the company went into administration. Um, I had sold a, a sportswear business that I was in previously. It was actually moving to London, and then the administrators got in touch saying that they really wanted to save the jobs, and I'd known a lot about the business. So I stepped back in, and at that point, it was maybe. Two million pounds turnover, fifty staff, um, and that's really what we got back into. So it was a corrugated box business, boxes, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they done. So what the the transition I made was using the waste from the boxes to turn into molded fiber to turn into pulp, which you'll use for cup carriers or avocados every day now. So we take that waste, we build large machines that press the waste into new products. So it's a 100% closed-loop system, 100% biodegradable, 100% plastic-free, um, and can really tackle the plastic problem. And you're seeing that now with even the global market and interest in fibre and packaging solutions. Fibre is the number one um, material they're going to to replace plastic. So we, we were just way ahead of the curve. Wow. And Love to say I planned that, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know what? It's... Um, so at what point was it a case of, hold on, there's a lot of waste here, there's got to be something we can do with it, or yeah. how did you come to ideate that? Well, yeah, we were buying in product that was £120 per tonne. It was running through a, a process. We have quite a simple um, box-making process, mm-hmm. gluing, die-cutting, uh, pr- uh, printing into stock, um, and then the waste that just came off of your die-cutting was going into landfill. Um, mm. So really, that was a a major waste for us in both ways of the world of, of the world and uh, we took that waste and bales and then started pressing it into something new and 
fibre's not been is not a new material. It's been around for a long, long time. But mm. what we touched on previously, that innovation is sometimes taking an old material and, and turn it into something new that fits the demands of today. Mm, amazing, amazing. Something you mentioned before in terms of um, you know being real about what has to be done to to make the changes yep. that we want to see. Yep. Um, this is more of a like a thought experiment, but okay. at this point, is consumer behavior changing enough to solve the problem or do you think there needs to be change on more governmental levels like at us as individuals are we enough now to make the change required or, or is it going to be something at a much higher level to really make this work um i think that what we're doing today is nowhere near enough i mean there has actually been hardly any change mm. at all over everything you've heard probably over the last five years. Do we have it within us to change? 100%, of course we do. Um, that's where we all need to step up. And that's why I said before, it's it, plastic is not a bad material. Oil is not a bad product. It's, it's how we use it. It's mm. our faults. And that's what needs to change. I mean, if you look back to our grandmother or even mother, I guess, depending how old you are, how, how they used to shop, um, mm. which wasn't that long ago, compared to how we shop now, is ridiculous. I mean, I love those turmeric shots. I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. buy them. Yeah, true. But you, you, you take a plastic bottle that size, consume it within seconds, throw it away in the trash. 9% mm -hmm. of them get recycled per year. 91% doesn't get recycled. So that either goes into landfill, gets put in the oceans, or even worse, gets sold to third world countries and is burned. Mm. I went to Turkey and I've seen with my own eyes products you would buy across the road that are being burned, uh, burned out in, in Turkey and many other countries. So it's a, it's a mask on the face of a big problem. It's um, So as ever, we outsource our problems to, to third world countries. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And, it needs to be led by legislation and politics and unfortunately they want to do what's popular and they want to tell you what people want to hear. They don't tell you what you need to hear. Um, and weirdly enough, in countries where there's more of a dictatorship, they are taking more of a stance because they're not trying to please, they're trying to do the right thing for the country. Mm. Now they've got many things wrong, um, but they do many things right. Super interesting, because I think that's uh, one of the points that I hear time and time again about... You know, especially in the you know cost of living crisis that we have now, for example, which I think is hitting a lot of people. Yeah. Um, people say they can't afford to make sustainable decisions right now, but that's because they're not being told the reality of you know of where, where things are going to be in ten years' time. And yep. actually, you know, we all need to, if we can, especially you know, yep. make these decisions. So, you know, tell us what what is the truth? What what does it look like in ten years' time if we don't make the change, or twenty years' time? You, you'll know the time frames. Um, far better than me of course but what, what, what does this look like yeah. if you don't make the change oh, how, how depressing do we want this chat let's, let's go real because I think um, I think ultimately yeah. you know it's about being as real as we possibly can be and yeah. you know it, it's I had a conversation with the guys just earlier about uh, a conversation I had with my doctor yesterday okay and it's just you know sometimes you need to hear it yeah real Yep. Right. So if you want to make those changes, sometimes yeah. you need you to rip be off the plaster and just yeah. take the pain. Yep. This is it. This is it. So yeah. let's let's rip the plaster off. Um, uh, right. OK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give, give me the question one more time then and I'll, yeah. I'll just be honest with it. OK. Um, what happens in 10, 20 years if we don't make this change? Well, we won't be here. Um, you already see what's happening in the world just now. I can't go into too much detail, but I was invited to a very um, high-end discussion uh, in, in Central Europe with a couple of key players that make some big decisions with government, not the British government, if I can be honest. Um, and one of the biggest discussions at that, that time was what is the biggest problem we face, and it's mass immigration. Um, that's probably not what you're expecting to hear, but... Um, from someone that travels a lot and has lived all over the world and currently spending a lot of time in the Middle East trying to help for COP28. As the world heats up and gets warmer and lack of water, lack of resources, you're going to find the hottest parts of the planet heat up even more and they're going to become inhabitable. 
So what do they do when you're struggling to survive? You move. Um, and unfortunately, the hottest parts of the world are normally the most overpopulated. And you're going to find landmass in areas that have resources and maybe calmer climates being overpopulated. And um, I can't see what government will do to prevent that when it becomes to survival. Um, now, th that's not going to happen in five years. But you can imagine what that will do to interest rates, house prices, people in general trying to get above uh, ahead of the curve and survive. Um, and unfortunately, that is where we're going. And that's not just a plastic problem, obviously, you know. Air pollution, you can already see it. I mean, if you get any any dose of common sense, you can see what's happening in the planet with fires, with flooding. I mean, it's the proofs. The proofs already here. So, it's not about if it's coming. It's it's when. Mm, yeah. Um. It's you can't put it any blunter than that, right? I think that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. And by the way, I've got no gain in this. I'm yeah. not trying to sell you guys cup carriers today yeah. or, you know, get any business of this. I'm good, but, you know, it's, it's my it's my job and my duty to say it, the, the things that I know about to, to get it out there so people can understand the difference. And I think everybody knows what they're doing is wrong. You know, not wrong, but they, they know it's not right to just buy things and throw them away. They know this. But as you touched on, we're all busy. Mm. Um, I don't have the time to do that. I drink plastic. I'm not a tree hugger that's given up my life to stand in front of uh, you know cars or whatever <laughs> but you know it's it's we've got so much noise in our lives just now with social media or we feel like we need to take on so many battles when I think if we really focus on happiness health and family I think we'd be in a much better place mm. it's uh fascinating I think one of the biggest problems we have with humanity on an individual level we then see throughout society, which is we all have such self-destructive tendencies. Mm. And when you apply that to a global level, it's like, we know what we're doing, um, <laughs> but we're doing it anyway, right? I don't yeah. think anyone, as you said, with a dose of common sense, yeah. um, is unaware of the impact all of, of this course. negative behavior is having, but we keep doing it anyway. It's, it's yeah. almost like a psychological problem as much as anything else. Of course. And it's even the, the standards. I think standards is something that's really dropped away. You know, what are your principles? Who who do you want to be? You know, and even walking down the street here, just getting back to the UK, you know, the trash that's everywhere, the, the quality we keep, you know, our streets for our families and our children and everything. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too down on it, but I think it's fair to say we could all do a wee bit better. Me included, by the way. I'm right at the top of that. I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect. Of course. So practical advice then for anyone listening, what does that change look like? What, what do you suggest to someone who says, look, I want to do more, I want to do better, yeah. where do I start? Life cycle. Products that will naturally biodegrade if you are consuming. Um, but it's, it's really not It's really not our challenge. That is for the businesses. But what I would say is the large conglomerates that control a massive percentage of what you consume will not change until you make a stand. Mm. So if you are reaching for that product you know is not good for the environment or not good for your health, the only way it's going to change is if people people in volume make a change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's where you can make the most amount of difference. If you stop buying it, they'll stop selling it. Love that. Simple economics, but it works yeah. every time, right? Stop buying, they'll of stop course. selling. Of course. Or, or they'll rethink about how to get you that product. I yeah. mean... Yeah, the glass bottles is um, is probably the easiest one to look at. Um, majority everything could be in glass bottles now, but it's much cheaper to blow plastic and then not have breakages and have less costs for transportation across across the globe. And you know, it's um, small changes like that that they can do, but it just eats into their profits. Yeah, yeah, completely. I sound like an activist here. No, no, no. Listen, I think it's, uh, um, you I've, know. I've actually just left Intercontinental where I think Greta got arrested yesterday yeah. for the oil. Yeah. So um, I definitely wasn't part of that, just in case you think that's why I'm here. All right. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll switch it up then because it's not often that we get to have a former owner of a football club. Oh, okay. I thought year. that might come up. Yeah, of course. So Hamilton FC. Yeah, Hamilton. Yep. Talk to us about that. How did that come around? What was that journey like? Yeah, it was actually, I, was, I love taking black taxis here in London and um, I was just chatting to yeah, my taxi driver there about um, about about football, etc. So, 
Yeah, I'll, uh, very rare, weird worlds. Uh, th- I'm sure I'm still, um, I'm definitely Scotland's youngest football club owner. I think I might be up there for Britain, um, but who knows? Um, let's just say it, right? Let's just go with yeah. it. But um, yeah, very, very lonely world, very stressful, um, and yeah, phenomenal time. Some of the best experiences in my life. Um, but also a big burden to carry. And I don't think it's got anything to do with age. I think it's got a lot to do with just who you are as a person, and I could I could carry that quite well. I'll probably do it again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the time it can be very, very challenging, especially for something when you see your business growing and succeeding the way I have. Uh, as I was saying, the, the 1.2 billion in 34 countries and... Seeing growth and success in a product doing extremely well for the public, for everybody, um, including profits, uh, you can see your time. You can see your time creating something and progressing something and employing people and making a big impact. And then on the football side, I think it's such a drain and burn rate on money mm. um, that I think that uh, it's very, very different. Very, very different. Nobody in football treats a football club like business. Yeah, I can't Nobody. imagine. Nobody. Um, Except maybe the Glazers. Well, so, sorry, not many. Not, not many. Not United many. fan, going through the pain yeah. at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah not, like, not, not many. So when I say, um, I mean non-board. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you go and speak to anyone really on the day-to-day in a football club, they've, they've always been in that football environment, right? They've grown up as kids playing or coaching, they got into it young and they've always lived in that environment. So um, when you speak to them about profits and mm. planning and everything, it, and it's, it's uh, water off a duck's back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my last company was in sports media and yeah, we were fortunate yeah. to work with, you know, some really big sports companies yeah. and that it's a real passion economy. Right, right. Okay. It's, it's. Do you know what I mean? People are, are there because they're yeah. passionate about it. They love it. Yep. But yes, it, it was so interesting. I went, in, you know, for for meeting with Premier League clubs, and it was just so amazing to see that, um, especially with the non-big six. Let's say, yep. it was amazing to see how traditional those businesses were. Even yep. though Premier League clubs are like, if it's match day, we can't do anything around match day. It's just like, wow, like it's, yep. it's you know, it's such a different um, uh, type of organization to work with, which yep. I thought was amazing. But I can only imagine the pressure. I mean. You know, Scotland f- football fans are passionate about their club, right? Especially, when, especially when you're 20 minutes from Glasgow. <laughs> That's uh, that, that that adds to the pressure. Yeah, of course, of course. Yep. So, when how old were you when you when you took over? Um, so there was a there was a consortium of us, but we had the the largest share. Um, what age would I've been? God, that feels like such a long time ago now. Um, 28 wow 20 28 would have been involved certainly from 30 mm-hmm. being very at the forefront of it um and yeah as i said many interesting times and many many proud proud moments um you know taking the under 21s to the, the champions league uh, for youth development football we were if you know anything about the, the club or my time there we had, everything was about youth development, mm-hmm. so we outsold we outsold Rangers and Celtic. Uh, by the time we were in the Premier League, you know we sold um, m- you know multi multi million pounds of deals to Everton, Crystal Palace, um, so many clubs down south, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of taking people and giving them opportunity and let seeing them flourish. Mm. I think that's. That's the main way to progress if you're not one of the large, large clubs. Amazing. And just Celtic top six. You know, if yeah. you don't have that fan base and I think you've got to be able to understand where you are, understand what the the, the, the club is, what it represents. And I think we we nailed that. Um and the fans bought into it too, which made it a lot easier. Incredible. One of the things that uh, is really clear to me throughout our conversation is there's uh, it feels like there's a real passion within you about trying to lift people up and trying to really enable other people to go on their journey and that side of things. Yep. Is that something that's reflective of your own background? Is it something you, that you've always been passionate about, um, you know, helping others to the social mobility? What does that look like for you? Um, I think it's probably the opposite. I think from 
um, I think from really being left aside from school and never went to university, um, really having to go and do everything on your own back and create it. I think I think I know people need help. I needed help at that time. Uh, looking back now, reflecting back to being a young teenager, and you need help. Um, you need honesty on what actually matters. There's a lot of noise out there. Ninety-nine percent of it's bullshit. So, I think I think now I really want to do all I can to help and to support people and and to give opportunity to people. Because, I mean, the country I can only really speak about Scotland to be honest, but. Not a lot of opportunity in Glasgow right now, um, so it's it's my job and my duty to try and do as much as I can for the, the for everyone that yeah. I can that I can help. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking just before. My dad's obviously from Glasgow yeah. and um, been a city that I've I've loved and used to love going up to all the time. But it's definitely one which has got um, you know some some unfortunate issues. And uh, one of the stats that my dad told me, which I had to double check because my dad is a bit of an exaggerator, but I did double check it. And it was <laughs> I, like, I like him already. I like him already. <laughs> Scottish, right? And and it was and it was true. But the um, the lowest life expectancy of men uh, in Europe is Glasgow. Yep. You know, and it's yeah. it's uh, uh, and it's not close either. It's a really shocking figure, and yeah. Um, yeah, I think the more that can be done to it, it's crazy. You know, you're in London, you're in a bubble, and you don't realize at sometimes the reality of what's going on in the rest of the UK, yeah. and you know why there are so many people who feel hard done by by the government over the last twenty years, and pr- probably longer than that to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing that um, there are people trying to make genuine change by building amazing huge companies um, in those areas. So yeah, amazing, and it, it, that builds grit. And these people, you know, it, it gives them, maybe they'll lack on the academic side or uh, the kind of forward thinking side. But, I mean, these people have a lot of grit, a lot of determination, and they want to do better for their families. So mm. if you can give them any type of opportunity, I mean, my first job um, after I had to leave school, uh, I said this on another podcast before, um, was cleaning out a cement mixer that hadn't been cleaned in a week. Um, and at that moment, I remember saying to myself, I've got nothing else, so I'll do the best job I can do here, or I don't know what I'm going to do, and just get stuck in. And I always kept that trait, um, and you know that's what's led me to today, that mindset, that kind of self-focus, self-confidence, whatever it is, no one's going to come save you, so mm. you better roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. Yeah. How much do you have you embodied a mentality of um, not accepting standards that you're in because it's something that I I speak to a lot of people about and a lot of people say if you're truly uncomfortable you will make sure you're no longer in that situation is is that something that you buy into is a case of just saying well look I know that based on my background based on my experience that statistics say I should be here but I'm not going to accept that you know I'm going to make sure that I get the life that I want to have yeah um I think it's a lot simpler than that or it certainly was for me Listen, if your back's against the wall, you can't go any further back, right? So you better come out swinging and you better give it all. Um, do the best you can do. And listen, if you can give you the best you can do and you aren't then a multimillionaire or you aren't a CEO or you aren't any of these other things, it doesn't matter. You can only do your best. Um, and I mean truly do your best and give it your all. And if you're doing that, then that's enough. Incredible. Yeah. All right. I've got five questions that I ask every guest. Not quick fire okay. or anything. So just quickly before that, yeah. that cement mixer uh, was when I was 16 that I developed uh, working on that house. That's the house I live in today. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Love when I've done that. that when I was That's 16. Incredible. So just a wee funny moment. Sorry. I know. How yeah. long after did you did you buy the house? I only bought it two years ago. Wow. So yeah, and it's, got, it's uh, Glasgow's highest ever rental because I'm, I'm now renting it out because I've got this project abroad. Um, but yeah, the pointing that's on the walls was done with me, when, me and my my colleagues when I was 16. So when I was doing the house up, if anybody ever said to me, oh, the pointing's not very good, I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be raging. But, uh, but yeah, Everything's nice great wee, other than the pointing. Yeah, yeah. exactly, which I've done. But, um, but yeah, just a nice wee... Nice for your story. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And I, I genuinely believe, uh, and I've experienced so many of these, there are so many incredible full circle moments that the universe will give you and life yeah. will give you. And it's it almost, well, for me, it's always been so comforting when those full circle moments have happened because then it's like, I know I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. I know I'm on the right 
path and the journey because I'm life has given me the opportunity to finish some unfinished business or yeah. you know connect the dots in some yeah. way. I'm a big believer in that. Mm. I'm not. I'm a very straight to the point, quite ruthless person. Um, but certainly, I do feel if subconsciously you have that goal to hit and that that uh, that desire, whatever it may be you will get an opportunity throughout your lifetime and you've got to keep one eye out to take that opportunity. A hundred percent. It's all about that. It's about awareness, yep. right? You've got to have the awareness. And that's why I think the optimism and presence part is so important mm -hmm. because when you're so locked away in your own thoughts or seeing everything as negative, you miss those opportunities, of course. right? And it's another reason why to really limit the noise in your world. I'm not going to go into it again, but, you know, social media. I mean, when I look at social media, I feel like I've got, a hundred more problems to fix that have got mm. nothing to do with me. Mm. I don't have a voice in that those side of things. Everyone's got an opinion now. Uh, you don't need all the right answers. You just got to be focused on what it is you desire, what subconsciously you want to achieve, and get after it. Don't let anyone stop you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest change. Well, actually, you can make a far bigger change than most, which is amazing. <laughs> but know, you know, but <laughs> but I think but I think what it's about is. Um, you know, the opportunity that we have to change the world every single day is in the way that we treat people, treat ourselves, you know, build opportunity for, for other people around us. Because if you can, the more you can empower, the butterfly effect of that is just yeah. insanely huge, right? Yeah. Treat someone well, treat someone kindly, treat someone with respect. Yeah. They go home, treat their kids well, treat their yeah. wife well. The, the butterfly effect of that, yeah. rather than screaming at someone and making them feel shit about their lives, of course, is massive. Yeah. One, one wee thing I changed when I was, um, not actually that long ago, but it certainly hit helped everybody I meet on a daily basis in the lift someone selling me in a shop whatever it may be how is your day just it's amazing the amount that people don't communicate with each other and just having that natural everyday conversation with people to understand really what's happening what's out there and just communication is so good for the soul so if anybody out there is trying to get started or do something new just start talking to people it's the, probably one of the simplest things, but it's very effective. A hundred percent. And I hope everyone in London listens to that because we've become... Maybe in, more what, in London. <laughs> well, this is it. You know, we've become yeah. so transactional in communication yeah. here where it's like we're almost walking around soulless at times in London. You know, it's it's just literally, it's almost like dehumanizing, you know, when you don't take those moments to, to really connect. Yeah. And to your point on social media, and we, we, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole okay. if you can, but... Yep. As human beings, we desperately and fundamentally need social connection. But we live in a world where we have replaced the idea of true social connection with Instagram likes or engagement or pinging a message on Instagram to someone and being like, yeah, I've caught up with my mate. I ping them on Instagram, right? Yeah. We need to, uh, and especially for people, you know, my age, when I was 14, you know, Facebook um, comes out in a really big way. And then suddenly friendship becomes about quantity, not quality. My, my, my worth is based on the volume of friends I can amass, right? Which is yeah. so backwards to actual social connection. And I think that's exactly what you're getting into there. Sorry, it's a bit of a rant, but you no, know. No, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's something that, you know, I'm passionate about. Um, I, I always think it's sometimes good to look at what people aren't doing rather than what they are doing. Um, I will be very happy when I'm an old man, you know, giving you your food packaging and giving you billions of products to live your daily life as you live in a fake world and speak to somebody and haven't seen anyone in two weeks. Um, that's where I want to be. I don't really want to be um, too involved in that, that world, if I'm being honest. Love that. All right, my first with, question. With respect, obviously, because no. obviously you're, you're semi in that world. But uh, yeah, well, of course. something that doesn't, I've never been keen to be in that side of it. Because yeah. every, every young kid I speak to now, that's what they want to do. They want to be an influencer, want yeah. to do these things. And I think, right, well, who's going to who's gonna be the joiners? Who's going to be the yeah. people in manufacturing, et cetera? But, yeah, uh, no, I see That's that. a bigger conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I see that completely. And uh, a friend of mine is a school teacher, and right. they, they recently did something where they asked the kids, you know, what they wanted to be. Yeah. It was something like 45% wanted to be influencers. Oh. And when you realize the maybe 0.01% end up there, yeah. I mean, the gap between expectation and fulfillment that's mm -hmm. going to happen for people who are, you know, what, we grew up wanting to be lawyers, doctors, you know, magicians, sports yeah, players. I want, what, I want to be a boxer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. it's that, right? But yeah. now, like, um, where 
you know, you're going all in on trying to be an influencer from 11 years old. You know, yeah. it's uh, there's going to be a real gap between expectation and fulfillment, and you sort of worry about what the, the hangover of that is. Couldn't um, agree more. But that's why it's important to amplify conversations like this, where maybe we're asking questions and, and hopefully bringing something a bit different. But questions for you. So my okay. first one is, single biggest risk you've ever taken, and what was the outcome? Single biggest risk? Um I think in I think in business terms you're always taking risks. I mean, if you aren't taking risks in what you're doing and trying to change the norm and challenge the system, maybe this isn't the right realm that you should be in. So I think you should I think you should always be taking risks. I think in in business I've been very um, strong on standing up to what I don't believe in nor what I think is right, and also with uh, customers. Big, big customers, you know, NHS, supermarkets, these are big, big, strong um, companies that you rely on to, to pay people their bonuses and their wages, which is the most important thing. And I think really for me, I've been very strong at times. It's been very, very risky to protect the people that I represent. Uh, that's my job um, as a leader, as a CEO, whatever you want to define it as. So I think that is the biggest risk on business terms. I think on a more personal note, which I, th I think is missed a lot of the time, is your happiness and health that you risk dedicating yourself to what you believe in and want to achieve is by far the biggest risk I've ever taken. So, you know, I never went to university, never done uh, any of these things. I've been head on my business since, what, 20, 1920. So for me... The times that I've passed up, the health risks, the happiness, the things I've never enjoyed, the beautiful moments um, because of stress and demands and everything else. Think now as I'm getting a wee bit older and wiser, that's probably the biggest risk I've, um, I've had and I've, I've missed. Wow. Wow. Amazing answer. And um, yeah, you know, it's the brutal reality yeah. sometimes of being a solo entrepreneur. Yeah. People don't see that. You know, they see the... You know, you've touched on there the football club, and anybody knows the football club or other things I've done, um, but they don't see the the sleepless nights, the not speaking to your family because you want to be alone, um, the stress. They don't see all these things, the health conditions that come with all that. You know, it's it's what is it? It's the base of the iceberg. You know, mm -hmm. is don't see that. You only see the tip. So, you know, when you're stressed and when you're down and when you're having a hard day, it's okay. It's going to happen. Don't ever think that's not going to happen, but you need to keep going. Yeah. You need to keep going and focus on yourself and try and make it better. Mm. And is that something that you're doing now more in terms of carving out time to respect your boundaries around health and those things? Is that something that you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because if you don't look after the ship, it's not going to go anywhere. So you've got to, got to make sure that's a priority. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, we speak to so many really successful entrepreneurs, and I think one of the things that I see, which is, a really strange part about the journey is actually the more successful successful you become, actually the more isolating it is. Because very often the problems that bring a lot of people together are very different problems to ones that you solve. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle on the friendship side of things because actually you become quite alienated at times from you know, people having a totally different set of problems. Yep. And that does lead to a lot of people saying, I need to be alone because it's hard to have people really empathise with that. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. You know, as, as we just touched on, people will look, look at you and maybe see what you have um, and think that's happiness. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's better to travel than to arrive. It's The journey is what the value is. The time is the most valuable thing you ever have. And when you, you know put your head down and just barter through the days to try and get somewhere within your business or whatever you're trying to achieve, um, you can easily neglect the things that matter most to you. And that's not just health, that's everything. Mm. Um, and I think people need to understand that that's what you sign up for if you really want to achieve as an entrepreneur or a business owner. A hundred percent. Okay. What are you proudest of? What am I proudest of? Um... What I'm most proudest of, would that be? Um, uh, co through COVID time, I think I really respected and was so proud of what me and my team achieved. So we we had to stay open to service all the hospitals. We also had to service the supermarkets. Um, 
throughout COVID times. So we made a conscious decision as a group to stay open. So the, you know, the 600 staff um, kept going and we obviously put everything in place to keep them safe. But we worked throughout the whole of COVID and we said, right, we'll, we'll be the first in and the last to leave to show that we're in this with you. All higher management directors and yourself as the owner. We took that conscious decision to do that. And from that, we um, all your vaccination trays came in pulp trays, our mm-hmm. trays. So any vaccination you got would have came in the kidney dishes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got a big upside and we won a lot of business um, throughout that time. So even though it was a horrific time for humanity, um, from a business point of view, it was great. And I think it was very rewarding for the team. And weirdly enough, we actually won our first award after COVID once things got back on track. And just to see the team's relief of one, having employment, two, being successful and getting their bonuses, but also recognition of the hard work that they had done because you're talking about large-scale manufacturing of everyday products. You're not talking about, you know, a couple of hundred pieces here. You're talking, you know, over a billion pieces, you know, all around the world. So to service that is a big, big task, especially during COVID. So I would say that's that's definitely the, the most proudest thing I'd the proudest time I can remember. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so many amazing uh, uh, boxes ticked there in terms of keeping people in work, getting them recognition, doing genuinely important work. And when I hear I, every time I hear that billion, I I, I want to see this factory, right? I can't, I can't actually yeah, imagine. It's, what so it's, it's sixteen acres um, in Glasgow. So uh, we build all the machines there. So anyone, if you ever want to come, wow. more than welcome. Just let me know. All right, I'm going to take you up on that one yep. day. Okay. Bring your dad. Yeah, he'll love it, love it. All Good. right, next one for you is, is there anything that you wish you did differently? Um, is there anything you think you did differently? I certainly don't have any regrets. There's, um, I think there's loads you would do differently looking back. I mean, I think you'd be quite foolish to think that, you know, you've done everything right and you're perfect. Um, Far from it. And you need those failures to make you stronger and to make you understand. I think I think that's another thing for some of the youth today that I meet anyway. Um, you know, they hear all about business on Dragon's Den or from Alan Sugar or from social media. And when we were growing up, um, business wasn't, you know, what it is today. You know, now um, Elon Musk, all these people, they're superstars, right? You know, they're... Everybody knows about them. Back in the day, it wasn't like that. Or certainly for me, it wasn't like that. So I think um, the failures made me who I am today and I feel incredibly strong and I'm still as ambitious as I've ever been. So I don't think I would change anything and I don't have any regrets, I would say. Love that. Okay. Yeah, I would, hopefully. Yeah, no, amazing. <laughs> I might think of something when I leave, <laughs> but I think, um, I, think the, I think the struggles make who you are. And you've got to keep struggling, you've got to keep learning and failing and moving on. But do it quickly, don't sit on it, don't beat yourself up. You know, take those failures and move on and try and make it better. That's what I would say. And it takes me to my next question, which is, what does it take to be successful? What does it take to be successful? I think think there's many different answers to that and I wouldn't want anyone thinking there's one blueprint because I can guarantee you that that's not true. so what I would say to people, I think we almost touched on it a wee bit, is roll your sleeves up, get out there, make something happen, do something, don't sit and wait for the perfect plan, don't wait and buy somebody's online course to try and find out how you're going to make your first million, don't do it, go and try and do something, if it's a job, whatever, just get out there and do it, because you'll learn, you know, people should have jobs and experiences that don't work out, because that's where you see opportunities to make things better. That's where you can adapt and see, well, I met that person, they weren't willing to give that service, they got let down, but the customer wants that, maybe I can do that. You won't know that sitting in your bedroom, you know, you won't know that um, with blinders on. So what I would say is, I think it's very basic, but it's so true, is just get stuck in, go and make it happen. Love that, this is gold. Okay, my last okay. question. For is that you all right? Is, is that no, that's, okay? That's I don't know if you wanted some big mm. academic answer, and I thought mm. I'm not the guy for that. No, this is. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is the point, right? Is yeah. that 
you know, you uh, theory will only take you so far, right? That the, the yeah. reality is, you've got to get in, got to get in it. And I think, yeah. um, you know, nothing will ever be experience, and it's why you often, you know, this is not a, a yeah. rare story of someone who didn't go to university but has a huge business done all these amazing things because actually they started just getting into it, yeah. you know, at an early age. So I think it's amazing practical advice. Yeah, especially for starting out, you know, I just. Don't sit and wait for this perfect plan because you'll be waiting all day. Years will go by and then you've done nothing. Just and then you realise there is no perfect plan. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay, my last one for you is 15-year-old David walks in the room right now. What are you going to tell him? Um, What would I tell him that I know, tell him advice that I know now? He walks into the room right now. What are you going to tell him? God, he's handsome. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um... What would I what would I tell him? Um, I think I would tell him two things from knowing what I know now. No one's coming to save you. No one's coming to do it for you. Um, back to what we just spoke about. Better get out there and make something happen, or nothing's going to come your way. I think that's what I would tell him at the beginning. I think that's the main thing he would need to know to make a difference in his life. And then secondly to that. Make sure, make sure, make sure you put yourself first. Um, I don't mean that as in just financially or anything, but make sure for your health, for your happiness. Make sure you spend enough time with the family. Make sure you do things for yourself, because it's very easy to see the decades go by. I'm talking like I'm eighty years old, but but it, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Now I've got, I've got. Um, don't have hobbies, I don't have anything I do outside my business and my passion and I'm okay with that. But I think reflecting and looking back, it's really important to keep your sanity out with your business or your passion because you need to have that balance and you know, since I've been nineteen all I've done is what I'm still doing today. David, you are an absolute legend. I appreciate this so much. Um where can people find you? Uh, if you want to be found, yeah, I think um, dear, don't don't bother about me. Uh, what I'm me, you know, what I'm saying doesn't really matter. But go and try and make the biggest difference you can in your life. And also, don't beat yourself up. You know, if you get things wrong, just keep going, man, and do the best you can do. So, don't bother looking me up. Go and go and work on yourself. Mate, that was incredible. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. Cheers. Thanks for watching the episode. And if you haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe below so that you can support the podcast and we can keep on bringing you amazing new guests. If you want to see the other amazing episodes in this podcast, click into our series section. As ever, if there are any other guests or topics you want us to explore, just let me know in the comments and we'll do our best to bring someone in.